I guess since 2018, I've been making music about Bitcoin. And that is what informs the music now. That is what gives me the confidence now. It's what inspires me now. I can't understand why every musician isn't writing about Bitcoin or Satoshi. Because it just makes perfect sense to me. This is the Bitcoin Muse, and I'm Clay Ennis. This week, Roger 9000, a musician, chocolate maker, podcaster, and a deeply original free-thinking Bitcoiner wanders with me on a conversational stroll across a metaphysical landscape of aspirations, dreams, speculations, memories, vexing paradoxes around the meaning of life and the role of Bitcoin. I'd love to say I dove deep into Roger's music or chocolate making, but as you'll hear, it ended up being more like a late-night chat around a campfire where only Roger and I were awake, too immersed in philosophical profundities to notice everyone else had gone to bed. Seven time zones separated Roger and I on the day, and the fact that we were being recorded would have seemed like a tertiary concern to both of us if it weren't for the glitchy internet connection and software problems that made a mangled mess of the audio. I've attempted to recover it all in post. He's a good-natured and patient fellow, and I hope I've done justice to this record of our time together. There are a couple of slightly disjointed edits, but as a whole, I think it's still a fun and heady rip. I can't stress enough how important it is to share this podcast within your circles of creative folks. Even just a simple repost of the episode on Twitter, Nostra Rivero helps a ton. And if you're listening on a podcasting 2.0 app like Fountain or Breeze, you should know that 10% of all those streams and boosts split to help OpenSats fund Bitcoin and other free and open source projects. As is now becoming my norm, we drop in mid-conversation as Roger was commenting about the name of this podcast. Enjoy. And muse is a great word too. It, It encapsulates that need to express yourself, really. And not just that need to express yourself, but that it would take certain forms, right? That that inspiration would then manifest itself in something creative. Though having just listened to your conversation, it opens up the whole idea of creativity in a way that has my mind really rolling. I've just listened to you for an hour and a half, and now here you are where I can unload all my questions and thoughts. I don't know what your day's been like, but I'm... Oh, man, I, you know, I've been coming to this realization recently. I just want to be able to walk and talk for the rest of my life. That's pretty much all I need to be doing to continue being a healthy human being. I think movement in any capacity, but particularly walking, I think, because we are walkers as humans. And to be able to talk and just be constantly philosophizing or constantly expressing it's the first things that we learn to do and yet we take them so for granted man. like i used to take breathing for granted as well and i'll tell you what i've had some issues with my ability to breathe whether it's been my nose or my lungs or whatever it's been so the simplest things like walking and talking i think there's real gold in just being able to do those basic things. Yeah, and to walk the talk. Yeah, to walk the talk, to talk the walk. Actually, I want to do a podcast about walking or like a podcast that is a walking podcast. It's just not that easy in England because it rains a lot. 
Yeah. So many things have just come to mind in what you've been talking about. First of all, there's a beautiful Vietnamese Buddhist monk who has walking meditations. I'm going to mangle his name, so I won't try, but I'll put it in the show notes. The other is years ago, I worked with Laurie Anderson, the performance artist. Are you serious? Dude? Yeah. Oh my God. Loves it. It was my first sort of summer internship right out of college. And I've told this story so many times that it might be just blurring my own <laughs> perception and memory <laughs> into reality. But I, I think I can paraphrase. She had this amazing story of teaching art history and teaching fanciful stories of art history that she was soon busted for. And she spent the next two weeks in bed saying she wasn't going to get out until she could figure out what she wanted to do with her life. And after a couple of weeks, she realized she wanted to tell stories and make music to let people realize how precious life is. Wow. Wow. And I feel like you are embodying a little bit of that too. Wow. Or you're coming to that realization, right? To talk. Oh, yeah. We're, we, we know this Bitcoin is meaningful yeah. for all people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this new realization that talking well, yeah. has power. Yeah. And you're already a musician. Sure, sure. Because so. I was always really afraid of talking. And so music was my, yeah, it was just my go-to because I could, I could practice it and get it right. And then I could do it. And I could say it without saying it as well, like even music. It allows you to say things without really saying. I mean, I guess that's that's what art what art does. It just it kind of transcends, right? That need to be precise, that need to be I love how Joseph Campbell says it. He it's it's the connotation, it's not the denotation. People always get really stuck with this concretization of things and this kind of it needs to be precise and it needs to be actual, it needs to be measurable and empirical and all this stuff. That's why I love art because it, it, it's about not being precise. It's about being completely human, which is, is actually not measurable. And we're discovering this more and more now that actually um, there's nothing about this universe that is truly measurable. And Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is the freaking complete paradox of everything in a way and it can be the one maybe measurable thing but it is infinite as well so it, i mean i guess we have to get down the rabbit hole bitcoin bit by bit here but just getting back to music it's a really funny thing how i'm baffled by the lack of musicians in bitcoin i'm really baffled i and it shows you actually what or maybe the lack of artists who recognize Bitcoin in general, it makes me wonder what they're about as artists if they're not seeing Bitcoin. But then there could be many reasons why they're not seeing Bitcoin for what it is as well. But anyway, that sorry, man. I, there's a lot of no. I, I look. I love it. <laughs> I think we're there's seven hours between us. You've you've already had a day, and I have literally woken up. <laughs> <laughs> listen to you and Nozomi for an hour and a half. And so I'm, I'm zenned out. <laughs> so you're, you're having to reconcile a day. And then, 
And these ideas, right? I think artists are charged on some level with one of the higher human burdens to creatively, artistically, define it as you will, process our life experience into these little digestible, distilled works. Then Bitcoin comes into the scene and kind of overwhelms the senses a little bit. I think it's why the average normie would treat it with severe skepticism and dismissal, as probably all of us have. When we do smash through, it's kind of like an artistic breakthrough. And maybe we don't have more artists doing this because they are so distracted or, or they haven't, even they too are sort of caught in the empirical mind. Oh, I just read this um, this article about Katy Perry. She's um, she's just sold her whole back catalogue basically to some music label. So the whole of her music is now owned by someone else, right? Why would she do that? Why would she do that, right? This is an age-old question for musicians, and I don't know how how tied to her music she is, really. I mean, I'm sure she's got a lot of collaborators. and The music industry these days is just is such a rigmarole of years upon years of distortion and tomfoolery and kabuto fucking theatre and bullshit trickery and you can just go on and on about the names at which you could throw out the music business. It became this juggernaut, right? And people just thought, well, how can I get my piece? How can I capitalise? How can I show the world that I can make something amazing and get fucking rich doing it? And I think people still have this mythological idea that I'll write a hit song and I'll become a fucking millionaire. It's still pervasive, even though that paradigm, that way of existing in the music industry just died fucking decades ago. It's been dead for so long. I would say since, well, you could name a number of different artists who died along the way who kind of wore the sort of defining moment where you say, well, that world is gone now. It was what it was, and people who are still trying to make it that world again, they clearly just didn't get the memo, and they're clearly just trying to rip us all off still. They're clearly trying to... I think the music business became way too big and way too greedy, right? And that's why it started to eat itself. That's why it started to self-implode, and that's essentially what's happened, right? So... Anyway, all of the castles will collapse as they are doing and something will be reborn. And I, and I think this is what Bitcoin represents in so many ways. It, that's why we call it the Renaissance 2.0. And I think that's really perfectly phrased because it is the rebirthing of so many things. And one of those things will be art in every capacity, whether it's music or film or the spoken word, right? That that's why I think philosophy is the beginning. And that's why when we speak and when we when we express what it is we think Bitcoin is, because we'll never know what Bitcoin is. And I think it's I think it's really clear. I, I love how people keep writing about Bitcoin. And I think that's really important to keep doing that. But 
I think it is futile to do that. Look, that sounds really bad, right? That sounds terrible because as Bitcoiners, we have to bring what it is we understand about Bitcoin to the world. And that that is the artistic journey, right? That is, you could say, as Bitcoiners, we are on this hero's journey. We, we truly are, I think, as whatever it is we're doing in Bitcoin, we are all being heroes in this way at the moment. And we're forging the frontier is in front of us now that is completely unknown, completely something of a mystery. And that, that's why we're attracted to it. And that's why each one of us is a maverick at the moment in Bitcoin, because no one knows where our paths are going to go. The whole territory is open for interpretation. And I think it's great that people write about it, but I also think people are trying to say, this is Bitcoin. This is what it is. I know what it is. And I'm going to write this book, which means that that's what it is. But good luck with that, man, because I, I, wonder, I wonder whether... Uh, I mean, it's great, though. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've come a long way on my own journey listening to Guy Swan read all those people's writings, right? Right. So there's a place for it. And, and you have said as much that creation can take a lot of forms, right? Whether it's birthing a child to writing an article to, to writing a song. Sure. And Bitcoin becomes more of the metronome that then everyone can sync to. It isn't in and of itself the music, but it grounds and sets the time for your effort. Your actual kind of the creative flourish is on top of the metronome. I don't know, does that make sense? Does that does that ring true to you? Oh, it did. I mean, that that's really well said, the way you put that, because when I first started toying with this idea, Bitcoin is love, Bitcoin is its acceptance of the self, its, its affirmation of the self. Like I would say this to computer scientists or tech dudes and they would just say, what the fuck is working, dude? Bitcoin is a tool. Bitcoin is an agreement, as Knut says, right? And it is that. But absolutely, man, the magic happens when you put that into the hands of a human being because Bitcoin is nothing without its utilization and the network. And maybe that is the difference between trying to define Bitcoin and what Bitcoin actually manifests as. So many people are, are still maybe looking at Bitcoin and saying, well, Bitcoin is code, right? Bitcoin is we're going to physically ascertain, measure, and describe what Bitcoin is. But then, and this is the beautiful Trojan horse of Bitcoin, right? It, it then gets placed into the real world and it becomes as unique and as individual and as completely uninferable, unknowable as every human being that it touches. I mean, just thinking of words to describe Bitcoin, it leaves you feeling, well, that's it's just never enough. It's, it's never going to be enough. And it's everything. Well, as Knut says, yeah, it's everything divided by 21 million. And that's, um, it's really true. It's not just physical things, though. It's, um, and I think people kind of go, well, everything, 
what is everything to him? Like, I mean, well, that's a rabbit hole itself, but I hope he means more than just physical things. I'm pretty sure. You're right. You're, it's also why I think so many people watch others glaze over as they start describing with the enthusiasm of a zealot when talking about Bitcoin. It very quickly overwhelms. And that's where I always feel like the artists should be the tip of the spear to, to soften the landscape for everyone else, to kind of warm them up to particular ideas, maybe not wholly convincing anyone, but building another touch point and a touch point that tends to work in the subconscious. No one glazes over standing in front of a painting. <laughs> it sets the daydream engine alight. And then that works magic, you know, days, weeks, months later, but it lingers in a, in a way, in a sense, we use beauty to crack through that previously mentioned empirical mind. Right, right. Very cool. I mean, Stanley Kubrick comes to mind in this way because of how he, he has this incredible ability, I think, in the way he would create something that purposefully ignited your imagination. So it goes beyond the visual even, like because you're then in a place where you're like, I've been open to interpret this in my way now. Like I'm going to interpret what he's doing, even though he's done something sonically or visually or metaphorically even that you don't necessarily explain in a measurable way. But it, it opens you up and that that's the job of the artist to be a touch point for Bitcoin and maybe it is an unconscious touch point. And in that unconsciousness that is touched within you, um, sometimes I wonder what someone like Kubrick would have thought of Bitcoin. I know that philosophers like Alan Watts or mythologist Joseph Campbell, or Carl Jung, these dudes, I think they were Bitcoiners. I fully believe that. They had an understanding of the world that was very similar to the way Bitcoin is teaching us about the world today. And maybe Kubrick as well. I, well. What I wanted to say about Kubrick, though, was that he ignited this this imagination within you. Even though you're watching a film of his and he's putting everything on the screen, so really you would think, well, how can I – how can I really interpret more into something that I'm being fed all of? Like I'm being fed the visuals, I'm being fed the audio. And yet he had this ability, when, when I watch these films anyway, I feel like I'm imagining something even more than what I'm actually seeing, which is, it's like, yeah, it's like you go beyond, yeah, you, you transcend, right? I mean, look, that's, Maybe that's what art, that's the beauty of art. That's what it's always supposed to be doing, isn't it? Transcending. Yeah, there would be a message that the artist wanted to convey, but the hardest thing to do then is to then let it go into the world to be interpreted. But when successful, I think they become dreamlike platforms for our imagination and maybe understanding. Yeah, yeah, 
you wake up after a night of dreaming and and maybe or nightmares or whatever <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and and your life pivots in a different direction because of it is that the whole purpose of a dream i mean not to go off on a completely different tangent here but <laughs> the dream is the beginning of so many things that have come about in our human history right i, I read this book called um the cosmic serpent have you, have you ever heard of that book no but it sounds like something bitcoin shooter was evoking right right well basically i, I should get him to read it it's um it's basically about these ancient people of the Amazon and how they would go to sleep and the plants, sometimes animals, would come to them and teach them what to do, like teach them how to use the plants, teach them how to kill the animals. Like the dream was instructive in how these people were to develop and survive. That's where ayahuasca came from. That's where all the cacao stuff came from. And it's almost like in Australia, the Aboriginal people have what's known as the dream time, which actually the dream time really is the past. Like it's everything in the past because there is only the here and now. And the dream time is the past. Like it's everything that's ever existed in the past. So for them, their dream time was just one big dream, really. Yeah, it was almost like they could sleep in the library of Alexandria, in a sense, prior to its burning down. Right, right. And this is, I mean, Jung's collective unconscious, right? It's like this one big reservoir of all of human experience somehow. Yeah, and I think... I think he was right, and I don't mean to be so dichotomous, but I think Jung and the folks he inspired, like Joseph Campbell, and even today, while slightly more firebrand, Jordan Peterson picks <laughs> up, right? Yeah. But they're picking up a mantle, and they are these kind of philosophers, philosopher kings, and good kings, I think, in the end. Sure, 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 sure. So, yeah, and they really do have a kind of way with words that gives us a chance <laughs> at understanding <laughs> and understanding and then, then processing it through our own creative processes. That's interesting you should say that too, because that is the way Tudor talked about it too. Like, if you really do understand it, you'll be able to make it incredibly simple for somebody else to, to understand. And I think that's really important. I used to go to school. I always used to feel like I was the dumbest kid in the room just because I just needed things really simple, really straightforward. And and there's something about really knowing something that means you can explain it in a really simple way. And I think the most intelligent people are the ones who are the simplest, actually. In some way, they can be so simple about things and i think that's a beautiful quality that we kind of and as bitcoiners where i think we're so there for people that don't understand in this way as well because we we really want people to understand that's just such a beautiful like it just gets rid of hierarchy in that way because 
we're always there to make things understandable. I always think of Adam back in this way, you know, like his intelligence must just be like, he's like a cliff compared to all of us in a way. And yet he just comes down to our level and he's just so humble. And so, you know, and that's what I love about Nozomi or, or Max Kaiser as well. These dudes who know that they understand things and they truly understand things, but they can just explain it in such a way that what Nozomi calls the intelligence of the heart, right? It's about speaking to somebody in an authentic way that is not trying to seem overly complicated or pretentious or whatever it is. You know, the education Goliath that turns these academics into completely nonsensical, inhuman creatures. I mean, it's just obvious that um, Bitcoin is just bringing together people who really just just care about each other and just want to speak in an open, authentic, honest way. When you mention Nozomi, Max, especially, there's an aspect of jazz to what they do that I really appreciate, that you just never know what is going to come out of Max's mouth, whether he's going to just have one of his classic rants or be this entirely collected suburban New York appropriate. It's really fun. And I, I think that's part of their magic. And a jazz musician would be a consummate musician, right? With, with chops off the charts, no pun intended. And yet, and is so accomplished that they can be improvising. Keeping it on music, we've been waxing quite philosophically. You were always a musician. Did music call you? Neither of us were probably academics in school, right? That path, academia was quickly <laughs> shunned for the artistic endeavor. Was it the same for you? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I secretly wanted to sing from a really early age. And I, I joined a choir as a kid with my brother. And um, that was great. But then... Then my voice broke and then all the dreams just were shattered, really. Not that I, I was aware of my dreams, really, but then it just all became about sport and girls and cars. And then I eventually did come back around to music. I had a car accident and um, I just started getting into music or listening to music a lot more. And then I realised, man, I just, I just want to focus on music I bought a guitar and started writing my own music. That's when I, I started to think, I actually really do like writing my own songs. Hmm. But the problem was that I couldn't sing. I just had real confidence issues with my voice. So I thought, well, I'm going to learn to sing again. And that's, yeah, that's when I started to take music serious again. It's been the best part of probably 20 years now of, um, getting that confidence back. And Bitcoin has been the real motivator. I guess since 2018, I've been making music about Bitcoin. And, and that is what informs the music now. That is what gives me the confidence now. It's what inspires me now. I can't understand why every musician isn't writing about Bitcoin or Satoshi. No, because it just makes perfect sense to me. So on that front, 
your music seems very much while you're recording songs it feels like it's deeply tied to live performance that it isn't just the song itself but that your full expression of the song is in performance would that be an accurate description oh yeah 100% so I'm, I'm trying to deal with this because I play a gig and they're like geez man I, I had no idea this is what you do because live is so much better than just clicking on a video on YouTube. You just don't get that at all. Because what I've done is I've made the live visuals my video clip. So I've got this idea that people are getting the experience of what I'm doing on YouTube. And it, all it is is I just wanted to have live visuals for when I do a gig. So I make the videos myself. And I, I have them as live visuals when I'm playing live. But um, it's got nothing to do with me, though. And I think that's maybe a problem. I don't know. I don't see it as a problem. But people tell me, yeah, man, people don't get what you do live because they actually have to see you live to know what it is you do is your video just has nothing to do with you. <laughs> Going back to that earlier notion when we were talking about the music industry being broken and the, the just pure financial gain as a goal, you're more of the minstrel, right? The wandering minstrel whose <laughs> entire purpose is to bring music into these this into the town for the three days a year or whatever. And you change a life and inspire another minstrel to be born. If you think about what music was like for most of human history, yeah. right? It was, it was locally produced and experienced, and then there'd be an occasional visitor, musician, and you're that. You're that person whose existence is fleeting and live and with a message. Oh, man. Message has always been the primary motivational reason. I love melody, don't get me wrong, and, I, and music is melody and it's rhythm and it's so many things. But for me, if there's no message there, if it's just melody and rhythm, I don't feel like it's speaking as much as it could. For me, and that's why Bitcoin just informs the whole thing, because it's Bitcoin is, is everything. Bitcoin is for me, it's the fucking very fabric of the universe now. Like, I love that science has come to this realization that the universe is made up of information. And, well, guess what? Bitcoin is pure information. So when I express myself, and I truly do believe that Satoshi speaks through every one of us, my expression of Bitcoin is Satoshi speaking through me. And... That expression is, whatever it is, it's truly one with the universe somehow because it's the representative of the universe. So, but it's weird because I've always been looking for something to inform my music. And now I've, set, I've, I've found it. If I always keep coming back to Bitcoin, I can basically talk about the world and never feel as though I'm lost word it's a really crazy fucking thing because how can you understand the world just by understanding bitcoin but actually bitcoin helps me understand the world it truly does like i could start at any thing any one aspect of the world and i can kind of bring it back to a place that 
is possible to be seen through the eyes of Bitcoin. It just, it never ends, man. It, it truly never ends. Yeah, it has me almost thinking about the, the meme of Bitcoin fixes this, which is all well and good if you kind of run your life through a pessimistic veil of everything needing fixing. And that's motivating for a lot of folks because we're optimistic and we love to have agency to think that we can make the world a better place. But when I recall meeting you, there was a blithe, optimistic energy, a smile, right? Smile forward. And it perhaps is what artists are that rather than Bitcoin fixes this, Bitcoin inspires this. Bitcoin gives meaning, as you had said. You find meaning in Bitcoin, but then Bitcoin can give meaning to your to oh, yeah. you. Bitcoin explains this. Bitcoin makes this uh-huh. knowable, or the world is now more knowable with Bitcoin. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting. There are some musicians. I've just been thinking about um, what's his name? Um, Oliver. The guy Anthony. That, uh, Oliver which, Anthony. Yeah, Oliver Anthony. Yeah. He speaks to what people want to hear at the moment, right? They're all pissed off. They're all, they haven't got their money that, you know, can't make it. And so what do we do? We point the finger at someone else, right? It's like, it's their fault, right? It's whoever's fault. It's always, how do I make sense of the situation? And how do I fix it? And in a way, Bitcoin has this meme, Bitcoin fixes this. But really, I mean, we all come to a place where we need to reach a state of of being okay with where we're at, really. And it's the job, maybe not the job of the artist, but it's the it's the interpretation of the artist to, to make it okay that where you're at is right for now. Sure, get angry at somebody else, but I mean, we can see by that song. But I mean, maybe it touched people in some way and they thought, well, what is wrong here? And maybe some people thought, hey, what's this thing, Bitcoin? And maybe, I don't know, you go down the list of maybe four or five or 600 people sort of thought, actually, maybe this Bitcoin thing has got something to say. But the overwhelming majority of people were actually just split and even made more decisive and more I don't know if you know, but the Republicans started to point the finger and the Democrats started to point the finger and say, this is about you, this is about you. And actually, it's just made people even more confused. It's almost like there's nothing that you can do for people. They just have to come to it in their own way. As an artist, I just need to follow how I see the world. And if I'm just being true to myself in how I see the world, then hopefully it can inspire somebody else to be creative and maybe open themselves up to how they see the world as well. Because really, it is just about your point of view. It's not like your point of view can never really be the same point of view as everyone else's. It just it just can't. It might for a second. But I think the real inspiration of an artist is to make other people inspired to share their point of view rather than be specific about this is the point of view 
that's right for everyone. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's why it's called the Bitcoin Muse, right? It's to inspire other people to tap and to give voice to the muses as it processes through them. It's one of the joys as a sidebar that the iPhone allows everyone to be a photographer beyond imagining. And now the muses right. went from being you know, restricted to the nerds with their SLRs to absolutely <laughs> everyone with the same right. similar device or a very similar device in their pockets. And they are singing to us daily with beauty and observation. And of course, not everybody is uh, sufficiently moving with intention, but that will come. Sure. Sure. It's a process, right? The process of discovering yourself, the process of going on your journey is it, well, it never ends to begin with, but it, but it's always, it's always beginning and it always feels like it's got a direction to it. So yeah, this opening up of the creative process to make it possible for everyone to go on that journey is, I think that's why Bitcoin is here too, to really, um, help people find out what it is they're truly about. You know, like they did this um, survey on how people see their lives and, you know, how that relates to their positivity or their depression. And basically, if people saw their life as a story, if people saw their life as having this journey, they overwhelmingly tended to be way more positive about their life. I think Bitcoin is making each one of us a maverick or a, a real hero. And I think when you truly feel like you're on a mission or you're, you know, you have a reason for doing what you're doing and it's truly, I mean, okay, nothing is really going to save the world and no one is really going to save anyone else, but to feel like you're on a mission to at least try, <laughs> at least try, like at least try to make the world a better place. I think that intention is, um, and having that belief, it's just so powerful and it just keeps you motivated every morning. It's amazing. I, I don't seem to lose my motivation it's, when I'm um, involved in Bitcoin. That's a really beautiful idea and I would even finesse it in the sense that it isn't necessarily still like the trap is to try and fix it, but it's to try and express yeah. yourself to creatively interpret. If you look at your life as a narrative, you're less depressed. If you can craft your life yeah. as an unfolding you know, movie script, then right. you're engaged to, to write something spectacular, right? You're the hero. Oh my God. Like, I don't know if you've heard of a guy called um, the Bitcoin Meister. Adam, oh, Meister, Adam Meister, oh my God, early formative right. voice for me. Right, right, right. He used to have this line, that dude is in motion, man. You know, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, and I used to think, fuck, that's such a cool thing to say. Like he's in motion. Like it's almost like he's living between the different, like the difference between life and death. Like he's in motion. He's going somewhere and he's doing something. That is just the essence of what it is to be a Bitcoiner. Positivity, and I like to call it affirmation. It's the acceptance of the complete self. So shit happens, right? Good things and bad things. And 
the real ability to be emotion, to be affirmative, is to accept whatever is going on. And in that acceptance, you then create this state of what I'd like to think of as positivity, because whether it's bad or whether it's good, you've affirmed it as being what it is. And in that affirmation, you then go, well, how are we going to deal with this? How am I going to move forward? And just by accepting it, you literally create a sense of positivity that basically enables you to go, well, I'm going to turn this around. I like to always think, well, a bad thing basically just means that you're going to learn from it. And at the end of the day, nothing is really bad. It just takes a bit of time before it becomes good. And on the flip side, nothing is really actually good because you're always missing out on something when something good happens. Like, as in, it's just another direction that's been taken. And so I don't tend to look at things as good or bad anymore. I just affirm what they are. And I just go, well, this is what life has presented. I'm just going to be affirmative and positive about it. And then the more positive I am, the more I think good things happen to me. So whether they're good or bad, I just see them as literally being all things that happen that I just get on with and enjoy my life with. I listen to a lot of Alan Watts, and Alan Watts is about essentially we're all playing this game that no one can win, right? Because we're all going to die. I mean, that's just life. But if you're playing the game as though you're going to win, you're constantly going to be in a state of misery because you're going to always come to that conclusion that, holy shit, I can't win this game. Like, I'm in this game. I can't fucking win. But the key to winning is knowing that you're going to die, but that enjoying the process of dying because we're all dying. Like, we're all in this process of dying. But if you can enjoy the process of dying, well, then you're going to win the game, ironically, because you're going to just enjoy what most people would think of as really bad thing but actually it's going to happen whether you like it or not so it's not actually about winning the game it's just about playing the game in a way that enables you to be happy right until the end really if that makes sense no for sure it does as you've been talking my mind just wanders right there's so many things to dig into here part of me just that maybe the humble side is like are we not just repeating the same shit that everybody has thought, every artist before <laughs> us has thought that we're here we are? Why is it taking us so long to realize this mm. over and over and over again? How do these profound and applicable messages that you are going to die, make the best of it, get forgotten so easily <laughs> through generations? Mm. Maybe that's what artists are supposed to do, just constant reminder to the culture that beauty mm. exists around us. Here, here is some. <laughs> listen yeah. to this <laughs> yeah. right. I don't think we even as artists can hold on to something in that sense even though we come up with these philosophies again and again and again they, they actually that's their purpose too in that 
the answer is there is no answer. So you've got to keep answering it. You've got to keep playing the game. You've got to keep dying. And I think dying and being reborn again, dying and being reborn again, I think that truly is the holy grail. That is the sense of immortality and the sense of just opening up and just returning and then dying and then returning and then dying. You've just got to be happy with that. It's a constant process, but that in itself is the holy grail. Like as in, that's what it is to accept our situation as, as humans. And, and that's what we do as artists. We just keep interpreting that and keep representing that. And I think it's pretty good like that. And I keep coming back to this concept of comedy as well, because I think the best way to deal with it is through comedy because if you're not letting go of it a bit and just seeing the joke of it, then being serious about it is, um, that's kind of, it leads down the path of being a bit scary. Um, I agree. There's a, it's sort of a a worldview of pessimism, optimism, and you and I definitely are on that, that latter front where we're going to make the yeah. best of it, the silver lining. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the, the yeah. tragedy comedy, it's amazing how tuned in the Greeks were to these notions. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I just keep thinking, man, it's all played out before us so many times, like you were just saying, like when we hear about people in the past who figured it out, I mean, that's why we say, like, that dude would have been a Bitcoiner or that dude... Well, I like to say that guy's a Bitcoiner, but he doesn't know it yet. But then, I don't know, maybe that's a bit derogatory to say that in a way. Like, why does somebody have to be a Bitcoiner to be the best they can be? I mean, maybe in today's world, if they're, if they're suffering and their money is just not going very far, if they're very disappointed, then I would encourage somebody to be a Bitcoiner. I would encourage everyone to at least understand it. But some people are so zen already. Maybe they don't need Bitcoin. You know, that's that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and if it is for everyone, I suspect that the human condition will toil on it post hyper Bitcoinization. Somebody once said it, oh, fix, sure. it fixes half the problems. All that exist, yeah. then we'll create a whole new set. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and and this is the interesting thing about Bitcoin too, is that it opens you up, and then you realize oh, wow, the world is really fucked, right? But, the, okay, Bitcoin is a tool, but shit, man, I could give Bitcoin to a load of people who I know and it wouldn't take shit for them. It's not a silver bullet like that. I mean, there's so many things that it helps me to see the world clearly with. But is that because I had already reached a place where I was seeing a lot of things and Bitcoin put it all together. It kind of ties it all up in a way. But um, giving Bitcoin to somebody and just going, here, this is the answer. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, right. You're, mean, you can't give a, a paintbrush. A paintbrush yeah. in the hands of most isn't good right. for much. Right, right, right. That's, that's exactly good. Just for fun, I'm imagining taking somebody from the past and plopping them in front of you in the present. And that would be an ancient Mayan as your chocolate <laughs> Bitcoin set. <laughs> okay. 
I'm assuming no um, language challenges. What do you think? How would you describe your chocolate adventures to him? Well, chocolate has been the realization of many, so many other journeys have happened prior to the ultimate journey, which became embodied in this chocolate making process. I first heard about Jung while I was at uni, and then that led me to Joseph Campbell, and then sort of all the mythological stuff, the alchemical stuff that, again, is something that's kind of a journey in itself. And I've always wanted to express all of that stuff through music, but I've never, ever known how or I've never had a reason for why as well. But really the music then led to the Bitcoin and then the Bitcoin led to the chocolate. Well, actually the Bitcoin led to more health. Bitcoin is all about health as well. And, and then chocolate really came from the health, really. But it all touches upon one another. Chocolate is mythology. Chocolate is alchemical. Bitcoin is mythological. Bitcoin is alchemical. Bitcoin is this unification of opposites. And when I do these chocolate making workshops, it's like everything comes together and even the music comes together as well. I haven't done the cacao ceremony yet, but I think that's going to be a sort of ultimate coming together of the Bitcoin, the chocolate and the music. I want to be part of that ceremony when it happens. You know, though, the chocolate making workshop is kind of like a ceremony just without the music at the moment. But it is ceremonial in that everyone who does it they pour their intention into the chocolate making process. And that intention is really what is embodied in the chocolate. You pour yourself into the chocolate. So you become representative in that chocolate. Then when you consume the chocolate, you are accepting of yourself. I mean, you literally accept yourself. And so you become your intention. That's exactly the same process that the ancient minds believed. That was the basis of the cacao ceremony, right? They went one step further in that they had more depth to their mythology because they believed that the cacao was gifted to them through their gods or through the cacao gods. And so that when you consume cacao, you were consuming literally the flesh and blood of the gods. Cacao literally means the heart blood. And that was that connection with the divine. And I talk about the cycle of life and how that's actually an alchemical image to the symbol of the Ouroboros, the serpent that eats its own tail. You literally are the serpent that eats your own tail because you pour yourself into the chocolate and you become representative in the chocolate and then you consume yourself when you consume the chocolate. And this is all related to Bitcoin as well, because you are your Bitcoin. So Knut says this as well, right? You become your private keys. And so when you spend your Bitcoin, you are actually spending or you're destroying some of yourself or you're letting go of some of yourself. You're nourishing some of yourself, whatever you purchase with your Bitcoin is going to nourish your life. But that which you have given up, which is your Bitcoin, is 
a sense of yourself which is disappearing. So again, you're being born and you're sort of dying a little bit at the same time. This is the immortalness or the, the chocolate making process and the cycle of Bitcoin as well. I think they're symbolized with this alchemical symbol of the iron voice. Wow. Wow, Roger. Yeah, I could just talk Bitcoin all day, man. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because we can talk about this stuff forever, I think yeah. we've sufficiently wet people's appetite with our, <laughs> what sounds esoteric, what sounds outrageous, really. Right, right, right. To a non-Bitcoiner, but perhaps someone who's an artist. So if we, if you were to leave someone with a nugget of inspiration, right, beyond your actual art form of music or chocolate yeah. or talking, what do you think is going to inspire the next generation of artists? And in fact, you started this whole conversation with why aren't there more? Mm. So, so what would you say to a young, aspiring, creative I think the physicalness of what it is to be human is slowly going to become more balanced with the metaphysical. I truly believe that is the reason Bitcoin is here. It's the Trojan horse that enables humans to then recognize the value of the metaphysical in a very, very, very completely new way. I, I think it's going to transform humanity. And I think the artists of the future are going to play with the metaphysical. You know, I was teaching piano in London for a little while. And um, this one guy I was teaching, he had these incredible, he, he, I mean, he's an amazing artist when he played the piano, but he'd shown me these drawings and they were all drawings of dreams he had. And it just, it was like he was playing, I mean, I guess you call it lucid dreaming, right? Where someone is. Um, now they're able to control their dreams. They can kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody can control their dreams. So this guy, he just, he just made me think, yeah, the future creation is, it's playing with your own mental, metaphysical state of mind, I think. I love it. I love it. It's almost like the future. It's the Aboriginal dream time becomes a Bitcoin lucid dreaming dream time where we we have agency in this what would seem a surreal dream world. That's that's a beautiful picture. Because, man, it has to be that way, actually. If you think about it, right, if we think about how life as a human being is actually what we make it, right? So the more we create worlds that we want in our life, the more we create a space that is what we truly want, I think that's what Bitcoin is allowing us to do in a physical way, right? It's teaching us to create a world that is truly sovereign, is truly independent, is truly what is better for the individual right, and better for community and it's creating love, right? It's just so apparent now in that physicalness. But what it ultimately is doing is it's teaching us that we can do this in not only a physical way, but in a metaphysical way as well. And it's not going to happen overnight. And maybe, I don't know, because it only happens if we believe it can happen, right? It's again, this, this fucking paradox of like, well, can I really fly? 
I mean, maybe that's a bit too crazy, but then even me saying that's too crazy is like me already sort of saying, well, it's not possible, but the Wright brothers fucking, they made it happen, right? And now we can fly. I mean, okay, we can't literally jump out of a window and fly, but we're getting to these places where we're starting to think, well, I can fucking be and I can make and I can exist in a way that I truly want just by thinking of it. It's fucking exciting that where Bitcoin is going to take us. It's just no fucking. <laughs> yeah, look, if, if it's energy money, if we finally perfected money as pure energy stored into the future, then we energetically should rise and build on that. And so perhaps while we may never have wings, it will feel like flying. Right. Our understanding of each other, that kind of telekinesis, all these things that, that we sense are around us, but maybe have lost touch with, we will actually be able to tune into. Ah. Ooh, that'd be fun. Or, or a nightmare. <laughs> As you said, you fix half the problems and a whole bunch of new ones emerge. <laughs> the last thing I need is someone reading my mind. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean... Um... I, I completely concur man. that that is uh <laughs> I've had this feeling from Michael Saylor that he doesn't entertain these kind of conversations for a reason. I think he just it's it's all about being can I measure it? Is it physical? That's great. Yeah. He is steeped in the empirical mind. You, me, and all these artists that are out there that may hear this, I hope will tune into this metaphysical to the muses as they speak and as Bitcoin gives them a voice. Beautiful, man. Well, Roger, thank you. Oh, thank you, man. I love how you think. I love how you question. It's, it's beautiful, man. So let's do it again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. There you have it. Be sure to poke around the show notes for links to all the books, links, and people mentioned during our conversation. And please remember to share this podcast however you see fit. Thank you. And of course, thank you to my brother for the music, thanks to you for listening, and thanks to Roger9000 for sharing his time, energy, musical and mythical meanderings with the Bitcoin muse. Onward.